listening to City Church Long Beach Sermons Podcast. You can visit us at citychurchlongbeach.org. Hello, uh, friends and friends who are on Zoom uh, with us today. Really glad uh, to be together. Uh, and what a gift. This is the first time we've had a piano in years, <laughs> literally. So that was something special. So what a gift. Um, I'm Bill White. I'm one of the co-pastors here at City Church of Long Beach, where we are a radically welcoming community on the journey towards Jesus, joining him in the renewal of all things. That's what we're all about. And uh, just just glad to be part of this crew. You know, we've got a lot of folks here today who maybe it's your first or second or third time visiting and you're checking out churches. And uh, as you can tell, this is just kind of who we are. We're just sort of regular folks trying to go on this spiritual journey together. Um, and one of the things we want to do is we want to celebrate. We just had our kids camp this last week, which was amazing. So uh, David Mercier, wherever you are, come on down. David was our fearless kids camp director. So he's going to share a story or something like that and pray for our kids. Yeah, so we had our first uh, in-person kids camp for in two years, and we average about 45 kids every day. The numbers were a little down, but we still had a lot of fun. Uh, one of the one of my favorite days was the thunderstorm and lightning day, <laughs> where we had to cram Lewis and all the Bible story kids in this back little vestibule so the activities could be played up here on stage. Um, but actually, a really sweet story was there was a little girl named Nyla who um, her mom brought cupcakes because it was her birthday, and her mom was telling me that she always gets really sad because she never gets to bring treats into school for her class, so she got to do that with all of us, and she was thrilled to be oh, celebrated. <laughs> yeah, it was great. Uh, but yeah, it was a really sweet week, so thank you to all of you guys who helped put it on. It was awesome. Uh, Father, we thank you for the kids of City Church and the lives that you've given them, and we pray that you would just continue to show yourself to them, uh, reveal your love to them as they grow. Uh, amen. Amen. Thanks, David. Yeah, give it up for David Mercier and all of our Fearless Kids Camp staff. So, what a gift. Uh, and welcome up Brenna Rubio, our other Fearless co-pastor. <laughs> And real quick, just a quick invitation oh, oh, yeah. for any of the kids who want to come down here with their fearless leaders today. We have some crafts and stories and other things set up for you. So I know the teachers are around here somewhere. Wait until you see adults come and join you. I've, I've talked with them, so I know they're here. Beck, they're... don't go too far. Excuse me as I try and rein in my I, child. I wonder, do you think BJ's right okay. outside? I think they're, I think they're good. They're out there. Okay. I'm like... <laughs> there you go. Highly organized. It's one of our strengths. We're a little relaxed. A little relaxed. And a little relaxed. Any kiddos who like to go out for story time. Yes. Well, there you go. So, um, oh, let me get my stool too. Um, so let me let me start with a, a, a kids camp story that uh, from this from this past week and, and kind of intro our uh, our sermon series um, where we're we've been talking about this idea of, of uh, complicated Jesus. So. One of the days, uh, we're hanging out, and I see this kid uh, from the school sitting on the grass. So I go, and I, I sit down on the grass next to him here. I'm going to sit down on the grass. And I, I say, hey, uh, how's, uh, how's camp going? He's like, yeah, pretty good. And we, we just chatted just for a little second, and I said, um, do, you ever, do you ever try to talk to God? And, and uh, 
kid says, um, yeah, sometimes. Not much. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I get that. And then he looks at me and he says, but, but God doesn't answer me when I talk to him. I said, yeah, boy, I, I know that feeling, right? And uh, I said, that's hard, isn't it? You know, it, it, God being invisible and all. And I mean, how do you hear from God? It's really hard. And so we just, we just kind of sat in that for a minute and like, yeah. And then I thought about this, this story that, that Jesus told. And uh, I mean, literally, that's what I thought. I just, I don't know, it's just what came to mind. I said, hey, lie down with me in the grass for a second. So we, we lay down in the grass. I don't know if you can see me. If you're on Zoom, hi, I'm still here. He's um, down there. And, uh, and I said, I, I said, yeah, I mean, it's a beautiful day, isn't it? I said, yeah. I said, look, you, do you see the wind? And he goes, no, there's no wind. I said, look, look carefully. You see it? No. I said, well, you see that tree over there? He looks at this tree, and it's just very gently, the leaves are... He's like, oh. I said, yeah, I wonder if there is some wind, even though you can't really see it. He's like, oh, yeah. I said, do you feel the wind? He says, no. I said, well, put your legs up. And he puts his legs up, and there's this very gentle breeze. I said, do you, do you feel the wind? He goes, yeah. I'm like, huh. I said, you know, I wonder if sometimes that's, that's what God's like, you know? It's... I mean, sometimes God just doesn't talk. <laughs> like, I don't, I mean, I'm sorry. I'm supposed to tell you as your pastor that God always talks to you, but he doesn't. So just, you know, get over that. Um, but uh, I was like, sometimes I, I wonder if, if maybe you and me, maybe part of what we need to do is we need to maybe look around a little bit more. Maybe you can't see God directly, but maybe indirectly. And maybe even the way we use our bodies, like if we were more, maybe in touch with, we, we might be able to feel God. So we just had this nice, simple little conversation. He's like, yeah, okay, cool. I said, yeah, okay, great, thanks. And that was it. So that, that, was, that was our conversation. But Jesus had that same conversation with, uh, with another, uh, with a guy back in the Bible. But there's, there's a sense in which, you know, so this is our last week of this, of this sermon series about complicated Jesus, because Jesus is complicated. God's complicated. All relationships, right, are, are complicated, aren't they? Right? Any, anyone here who's got a good friend or a sibling or a significant other, you know they're messy. They always are. And one of the ways that, that Jesus meets us in the messiness between us and, and God is Jesus is this epic storyteller who, who tries to cast a vision for us to learn how to connect better and, and make that complicated relationship a healthier one. So that's what we're talking a little bit about today. And so I'd like to invite Mia Hermida, if you'd welcome Mia with me, who's gonna read scripture for us today. Come on down. And uh, around City Church, we typically stand in honor of God and God's word. So if you'd like to stand, Zoom, you feel if you want to stand there, you can. Uh, Mia, you have to stand back in the box so the Zoom people can see you. And because, yeah, they're going to want to see you. So there you go. This is from uh, Luke chapter 15. Yeah. Luke 15, 11 to 32. Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, father, give me my share of the estate. 
So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country, who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in, so his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders, yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, come home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. People of God, this is the word of God. Thanks, Thanks be, to, be God. to God. You may be seated. Thanks so much, Mia. You nailed that. I would say that was excellent and a long passage too. So it's interesting this morning, right? Because we, we didn't actually pick the passages we're preaching on uh, for the last 10 weeks or so. We threw the question out to all of you and said, hey, what are some of your favorite and least favorite Jesus stories? And this one was definitely an overwhelming favorite. But it's not actually a Jesus story so much as it's a story that Jesus told, right? That there's almost this like insight we get into who Jesus is as a storyteller as this just this person who who just knows how to communicate and communicates in ways that reveal not only who he is but also are meant to reveal something about who we are so this particular story which again majority favorite right came up a few times as people's one of people's favorite jesus stories is actually the last in sort of a trilogy of stories. Any, any Star Wars fans here, people who just like, you know, the trilogies. We, we're having a lot of sequel watching in my house these days, right? Where they're sort of like the build up. And in this case, it's kind of like the first two stories in some ways were like the warm up acts, right? Because they were actually pretty simple stories, not unimportant. I mean, you could preach whole sermons on them too, right? First, the first story, there's one about a shepherd with sheep and one of them gets lost in the efforts of the shepherd to go and find that one sheep and just celebrating when the lost sheep is found. 
And for many of us, that's an incredibly impactful image. Some of us in here might be David Hayward fans, the naked pastor, right? There's just something that just grabs us about this idea that Jesus is the shepherd who will pursue every sheep. And then there's a story about a woman who loses a coin and just turns her house upside down and is so glad and throws the biggest party when she finds the coin that she has lost. And there's something so precious about that story, her joy, and even the fact that Jesus is presenting God as a woman. But now we get to this story. And while the others have been pretty short and punchy, as you heard when Mia read it, this is a long story. This is an involved story. It definitely continues the theme of lost and found, the joy of the father when his lost child comes home. But it introduces some new complexities as well, because now there's a little bit, before it was just, hey, it was a sheep that got lost. It was a coin that got lost. Now we have a little bit of sort of like a, a temptation or an invitation, whichever word you want to pick, to make some moral judgments about the lost son, the son who went away from home. Mm, what do we think about that and his choices? So there's an invitation or temptation towards some moral judgments. But there's also a third character in this story. It's no longer just the father and the lost son. Now there's also an elder brother. And sometimes when this story gets unpacked, that relationship is kind of set to the side, right? Because it just seems like, hey, it's just the foil, right? It's just the contrast. We have the story of the, the older brother because the good son helps us see the bad son, right? We need to see the one and the other. It's the good son and the bad son. The good son who stays, follows the rules, and the bad son who makes the poor choices and runs off and gets lost and is graciously forgiven and welcomed in. But that's probably not the best way to understand the role of the elder son. Like He actually gets a whole big chunk of the story, doesn't he? He has some, some big emotions, some big words, some angry words. I mean, you know, talking with my kids was like, wow, you're having some strong feelings. That's how I would reflect back to my kids in that moment. I'm hearing some strong feelings. That's what my kids say to me. <laughs> I'm glad that you say that to you. That's, that's, that's really healthy. That's good. There's something going on with him. And we actually, we want to unpack that. And the way we're going to do that this morning, I have to say a quick, I don't know if Abby is online, but um, Bill is pinch hitting this morning. Abby Nishimoto was meant to be my co-preacher this morning and got wiped out by a virus. This happens to too many of us these days. So Abby, I'm so sorry you're not here. I mean, I'm grateful for Bill and everything. Um, but Abby... <laughs> Abby, if you're watching, I miss you. Um, and we'll invite her to, to preach another time this summer. Um, but Abby pointed us towards uh, this, this author, this spiritual author named Sky Jathani, and, and a way that he has of helping us think visually, pictorially, around how it is we relate to God. And, and some of the complicated dances we do, what's actually happening in this story, and what might God actually be inviting us into? So as we start talking about this, here's what we're going to use for the picture. Okay, the triangle is God. You didn't know that God looked like a triangle, and he doesn't. They don't. But we're going to use the triangle to represent God, okay? 
And then we'll have just a simple stick figure to represent us. And the sense of what is going on here? How is it that we relate to God? What's happening in this story? And what we, might we be actually, what might Jesus actually be inviting us into? So we're gonna start with the, uh, the younger kid. Uh, those younger kids, boy, they yeah. are problematic, aren't they? Uh, any younger kids here? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I see a few. I see a few. But uh, again, g growing up, like, you know, the younger kid was the bad one. You know, ran away from God, you know, spent his money, and did bad sex things, you know, all that stuff. And, uh, you know, God lets them back in, whatever. But you kind of, I mean, what if we sat and we thought a little bit about what, what do you think home life was like for the, for the younger son? I mean, there, there might have been some really good reasons for the younger son to, like, get out of Dodge, right? I mean, did you, did you hear the kinds of things that the older son was, was saying? Like, I've been slaving away for you. I've never done anything wrong. And you kind of wonder if maybe the younger son's not running away from the father. Maybe the younger son is running away from the other people in his church. I mean, the older brother. <laughs> oh, did I say that? Um, sorry. You know, I mean, maybe there's a sense in which, man, there's so much judgment here. There's so many rules, and it just doesn't feel very safe. Uh, in in the family. And I think a lot of us have had that experience where it doesn't feel that safe. And so um, so one way to, to think about this story is to think about um, life under God. Right? This is sort of the, the image. It's like God just gets dropped on you like a, like a ton of bricks. And you're like, I can't breathe. Right? Like this is, oh, there's so many rules. There's so many. And you just feel flattened. You just, you just got hit by a truck. And you're just, maybe you're creative. Or maybe you, you, don't, you're, you don't fit the mold of whatever you were supposed to be, right? That can be super difficult. And it can be cause to run away. And I've spoken with a number of you, um, and I know this is part of your story. It doesn't mean that all of your running was great and you always ran to great places. No. You did a lot of dumb things. I've done a lot of dumb things, right? The, those are on us. We get to own that. But there's a sense in which, you know, some of us just felt like just mushed by God, or at least how God was presented to us. And so really I think today is, you know, as, as I understand it, I mean, it's really an invitation for us to maybe show ourselves some grace, maybe show some other people some grace, 
maybe take some honest looks at our stories and the places we've been and some of the places we tried to force others to go. And uh, to say, whoa, maybe there's a different way. Maybe Jesus is inviting us into a new approach to relating to God. Yeah, I really appreciate that. Um, I've been thinking about that kind of stuff a lot lately, just this idea of, man, sometimes it's so much less about God, right? And about the ways that God has presented to us, who God is presented to be, and, and ways that we might feel like, man, I just, I don't fit. I can't do it. And if I can't do it, maybe I'm just not going to play. Maybe all I can do, maybe the best thing I can do is run away. Now, the older brother, he obviously had a different approach. Um, and we heard it, right, in his, his pushback to his father, where he's just like, I've been, I've been slaving for you. I've been working so hard, and you never gave me anything. It, here's the picture. We're going to try for this one. So here's God. And here's the older brother saying, I've been doing my best. I've been giving you so, so much. And I'm expecting something back. If this is life under God, this is a life for God, but with conditions. It's sort of a, a business arrangement with God that says, surely if I do enough, if I follow the rules, you'll give me what I need. Whether that's love, money, you know, kind of a health and wealth kind of, kind of approach. But if, if I just do it right, maybe I'll get what I need. And for, for a lot of us who grew up in religious systems, really a lot of different religious systems, one way or another, this is kind of what we picked up, even maybe if, if the people around us didn't, didn't mean for us to. I think part of it might just be because, like, as children, we're looking for ways to make the world predictable, right? Like, we're, we're trying to figure things out. And so sometimes I think even if, even if the systems around us aren't trying to be rigid and rules-oriented, that's still just what we're going to pick up as kids. And, and if we never allow our faith to mature, so we're always looking for the rules. So a few months ago, uh, someone reached out to me online who I knew from a previous church where I had been a leader. And, you know, they, they were asking me a lot of questions. And it was an exchange that went back and forth a few times where I'm, you know, I'm getting the sense, okay, they don't really have a lot of spiritual input in their life right now. So, you know, thus they kind of, you know, I'm the pastor, they kind of know, and so they're reaching out. Um, and, and I'm answering some of the questions but I'm also just starting to feel more and more like, oh, there's just something about this, this interaction that it's, it's bringing up some emotion in me, and I'm not sure what that is. But, you know, I, I, I don't want to cut her off, and so I keep responding. But I'm also trying to say, hey, why don't we get a phone call? You know, why don't we connect a little bit more, see if we can shift this off this. But finally, she sends me another question. I'm like, oh, this is it. I understand what's happening now, why I'm feeling so strange, or, you know, this is bringing up stuff for me. Because the question that she finally asked was like, so tell me about astrology. Um, are, are Christians allowed to practice astrology? You know, like your signs and stuff? Are you allowed to do this? Are you allowed to do that? And, and I was like, ah. Oh. And so I responded back and I said, you know, 
I'm not very interested in those questions anymore. And she responded back very like, you're not, you're not interested in like how people connect spiritually? Like, no, I didn't say that. I'm not interested in being the morality police. I'm not interested in telling you whether or not astrology is right or wrong. I think there are better questions that we could ask each other and that I'd love to ask you if you'd like to pick up the phone. <laughs> right? Like, we could talk about what appeals to you about astrology. Like, what is it that you're looking for in that? How are you sensing God move in your life these days? Like, there are just so many more interesting questions that we could talk about than just right or wrong, yes or no. Tell me the checklist, tell me the rules, that if I do this, God might give that to me. She was asking questions about rules. And I guess maybe at that previous church, maybe I played that game a little more. I probably did, because that's certainly what I grew up in spiritually. That's, that's a little more how I was formed. But that's not actually what we see God offering us. It's not what the father in the story offers us, because what he says to his son, remember, is, Son, you have been with me the whole time. It's not about this. Do you want to draw it for me, Bill? It's not about this. It's not about the transaction. It's about the relationship. Be with me. I've loved you this whole time. It was never about all this stuff that you were doing. You never had to work that hard. It, it was about the relationship the whole entire time. One of the things that I actually find so incredibly compelling when we finally see this in the story is, do you know where they're having this conversation? Did you catch that, like in the story? So the, the father's thrown a party for the younger son, right? So that's like in the home, the party. It's right, maybe it's outside, right? But it's like home is where the party is right now. And the older brother gets so angry, he runs away physically. He leaves physically. And just like the father went out from his house and ran towards the younger son, the son who was supposedly lost, who was coming back home, and the father ran to meet him, left the house, said, you don't have to, I'm going to meet you halfway. As soon as I see you, I'm running to you. The father's heart is just compelled towards him. He can't wait. Well, in the same way, the father chases the older son. He says, I'm not staying here at the party. Now I've got another lost son. I really actually really resonate with this parent. You fix a problem with one child. And here comes the next round of drama. The older son was lost too. The older son left too. And the father pursued him as well. Henry Nouwen has this awesome quote. He says, anger, resentment, jealousy, desire for revenge, lust, greed, antagonisms and rivalries are the obvious signs that I have left home like the older brother. I'm constantly developing strategies, that reciprocal, man, transactional way of relating with God. I'm constantly developing strategies to defend myself and thereby assure myself of the love I think I need and deserve. 
And in so doing, I move far away from my father's home, and I choose to dwell in a distant country. Both the sons are lost, just in different ways. And for me, as I read it, I think, who's more lost? The one who knows it? Or the one who thinks he's right? Who's better positioned to be found, to receive that love, that witness that the Father is actually offering? And the story kind of, it ends on a cliffhanger, right? Um, we don't know what the older brother is going to choose. But what if it's the best thing that ever happened to him? You know those moments when you feel angry with God? Man, what if that's the best thing that could ever happen to you? Because at least you're being honest. At least it's being revealed, right? Like where your heart actually is. It's good to know for the older brother that, man, I was, I was thinking this was a transactional thing. Let's surface that. Let's get it out there so that maybe we can receive the Father's embrace. So I want to pivot for a second and talk a little bit personally, pastorally, about some current events that are happening. I'm hoping that as you listen, if anything I say kind of triggers you and kind of starts to like get you to like kind of amp up a little bit, um, that you'll hear me out, that you'll let this, you'll hear the whole, the whole little stream of thoughts. This weekend, starting on Friday, when the decision that overturned Roe v. Wade was released, it brought up a lot of thoughts and feelings for a lot of us, right? It really did. And for me, there was this first wave of thoughts and feelings that was about the rules. The rules that I grew up with uh, in a more evangelical church culture, where how you thought about Roe v. Wade was a definite, like, there was no room for variation. Everybody thought the exact same way about Roe v. Wade. And the fact that I did not that I would, in private conversations with people, maybe say something like, I'm not that kind of pro-life. And it, it was something that felt taboo. It felt a little bit more like this, right? Man, I gotta keep this on the DL. And in fact, as I found myself, sort of as a person and as a pastor, wanting to respond, to all these events on Friday, like maybe, you know, like on social media and stuff, there was a part of me that kind of went, ooh, that would really be breaking the rules. That would be controversial because, you know, we're a church that really shies away from controversy. <laughs> but I actually realized, I'm like, I don't think I've ever publicly had much of a conversation around this. Like saying like, I'm not actually that kind of pro-life. Haven't been for a long, long time. And as some of you know, in my personal story, you know, yeah, sure, it's one of those, it's kind of in the area that people would a lot of times put under exceptions for the life of the mother. But man, my personal story is I've had a really horrible night where I had to sign a piece of paper saying, yeah, you can take my baby because the baby's not gonna survive and 
my family would like me to. And so having this feeling of, man, I want to I wanna be able to speak a little bit for the people who have felt like this. For the women who have never heard a pastor talk about their uterus before. Because most pastors don't have them. <laughs> so... So, you know, I did end up posting a little bit about some of my complicated thoughts and feelings and, and then even just a little bit about, and this is coming from a white woman and there, there are some other implications that I don't even experience, right, in my position of relative privilege. But I also wanna say this morning that I think what can happen in church communities like this one is that when someone, because I actually kind of like, I mean, as much as we don't lean in super hard, right? There's a sense of, I'm the pastor, right? I'm one of the pastors. And so a pastor posting on something like this could also feel like not, hey, we're living here where I'm sharing with you relationally where I'm at and I'm inviting you into a space of freedom, but it can actually become to start to feel like this is the new set of rules. It could start to feel like, hey, the new set of rules is Brenna's pro-choice and so if you're not, if you have complicated feelings around the term pro-choice, around the term pro-life, if you have questions, if you have different experiences, you could start to feel like maybe I'm not welcome here, right? Because we're so used to making it about rules, about transactions. And so I'd like you to hear directly from me as well. It is relationship. It's about acknowledging we all have complicated thoughts, histories, feelings, emotions, stories. We, we get to bring those stories to each other. And we just get to be. Like my friend who came to me asking about astrology, if you come to me asking about abortion, I hope I ask you a better set of questions than just telling you right versus wrong. I'm really curious, like what does that issue look like in your life? How has it played out? What's your history? What's your story? What are you bringing in there? What are you asking God? What are you hearing? So that's the invitation for us as a community. Now, I will say, I'm sorry, this part's going pretty long, but whatever. We don't talk about this in churches, so we're all okay? Okay? All right. Sometimes there are better and worse people to have initial conversations with, right? Um, and so especially in a time like this where everybody's emotions are a little high. You know, if you're like, man, I'm one of those people who would be, you know, pro-life, um, and I'm not sure, like, how to talk about it with the pro-choice people in the congregation, um, you know, maybe come talk to Bill first, right? Like, he might be a safe starter person. You know, that, Bill, they wouldn't hurt your feelings if they had that conversation. You can bear it. You can take it. All right, he can do the emotional labor there, right? And on the other hand, I know this happens a lot. If there are people in this room and you're like, man, there are things in my sexual or reproductive history that I have never felt like I could talk about in a church setting, and you'd like to talk with someone who has signed that piece of paper, I'd be happy to hold that space for you. So let's just honor that space just for a moment. What a gift you've given us. Thank you, Brenna. there's space here for all of us and we're all on a journey.
Really appreciate you. Um, I just, just want to kind of summarize and then close. There's a sense in which the older son, as Brenna said, really wanted to run away and did run away like the younger son. And there's a sense, and you even heard it in Brenna's story, that the, the younger son actually, remember what he says? He says, Father, I'm, I'm not worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. He comes back and he says, like, I, I don't think I'm worthy of this. Let me have a more transactional relationship with you. We, we kind of keep going around in this circle, right? The older son runs away, even though it was transactional, and he's far from home. And the younger son is far from home and comes back and tries to make it transactional. I mean, we're all just trying to figure it out. And we go on our cycles. And yet God is here saying, come. Just be with me right where you are in all your mess and in all your glory. You're welcome here with your grief, with your story. You're welcome. Come home. Come home. And I think that's the invitation for us today, wherever we are, to come home. Whatever that looks like for you, we're, we're not here with some new set of laws about how to do that or some special prayer you get to pray and then everything's fine. That's not it. Um, and, and home is, I mean, it's confused. Sometimes you're lying on the ground going, yeah, I don't, I don't see it. Yeah, okay, I understand that. Me too. But there is this home. There is a sense in which God is here and that's why Christ has come, so that we could come home. We could be loved. We could go on our...